Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. When they're ready to give up, Jesus proves his love by coming to them. He knows the exact time to come. He knows when our faith has been tested to the max in this trial and we've gained what we need out of it, the stamina we need to stand. He knew when to come. Now God's timing is always perfect. He is never, ever late. In all areas of life, including our struggles, we need to know that God is in control. His timing and His plan is perfect. He knows what he's doing. We need to trust in him. That's the point that Pastor Mark will make today. That whatever you're going through, God is there. And if we'll submit to him and his leading, he'll guide us through life. It's when we get fearful and take our eyes off of him that we get into trouble. When we operate out of that fear, out of unbelief, then we begin to lean on our own understanding or the wisdom of the world. And as the scriptures teach us, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 47, for the conclusion of our message entitled, Keep the Faith, Help is Coming. Is it easier to put up the sail and go with flow? You better believe it is. But that's not what God wants in our life. And he was trying to strengthen the disciples' faith into saying there's going to be times when you want to just put down the oar. And you want to say, God, it's, I don't know, maybe you're not even in this. Maybe you're not there. I I thought you loved me. I thought you cared. But evidently you're not here. So I'm putting the oar down and I'm just going with the flow. I believe there's some of you here this morning are at that place. You've been struggling in your Christian walk. And the winds of adversity have come. Maybe it's a wind of adversity in your marriage. You don't know that you can go on. Maybe it's winds of adversity in a relationship. Money. God, where is this? I mean, I'm tithing, I'm giving. Why this storm? You don't care, do you really, God? It's no use. I might as well just go with the flow. Maybe it's a drug problem that you're tempted to go back to. Maybe an old lust problem. The internet has grabbed out at you again and you're saying, God, this is too big. I'm afraid I'm going to just go back. And you're ready to set the oar down. Maybe you've been hurt in another church. You've come in here. Maybe you've been hurt in this church. You see, we have tremendous amount of hurts in our lives. And Satan says, nobody cares. Look at the way those people treat. All those years you did that there. Look how you worked in the kids' ministry and did this and that. Nobody noticed. Man, and we bring our hurts into the service. And Satan goes, you know what? You do better out of here because this place reminds you of hurts. Just put it down and go with the flow. I want to say to you this morning, don't put it down. Just keep rowing. Just keep rowing. And we're going to see this morning that when these disciples are discouraged, they're at this place. It's a dangerous place to be in your spiritual life. 
You see, Satan's a liar. All the stuff he whispers in your ear are lies. And we'll see this morning the character of God. Now, this boat is also a great picture, I believe, of the church as a whole. There's some of you in the church this morning who have been here for a while. And you've come now, and you're just going along for the ride. You grace us with your presence on Sunday morning. We never see you again. You're not involved in any ministry. You see, you're leaving the rest of us out there doing what? Rowing the boat. And there's faithful people that are rowing the boat. I want to say to you this morning, if you've gone along for the ride and you're coasting and you're floating, grab an oar, would you, this morning? We need your help. God needs your help. He didn't design the boat to row with three people. He designed the boat to row with every one of you with an oar. Whatever gift you have, get in there. Now, some of you are older people, and you've been in the ministry a while, and you finally said, man, I'm putting that sucker down. Let some of them young people do that. I wrote enough. Hey, pick it up. We need your wisdom. You have tremendous resource. And here's what I find that's very interesting. If you're going along for the ride, and there are times when we have to do that. I realize that. But normally, we should be all rowing together, right? That's what unity is about. It's rowing together. See... I don't gain anything from somebody else's rowing. I have to row myself for exercise. And the way exercise is served, you grab an oar and you go, okay, here's where I'm at. All these kids over here in this ministry, whatever, whatever the parking lot, man, do we, we need help? Usher, whatever it is, get out there and do it. Satan says, eh, don't worry about it. God isn't finished with us. He needs us. Number three, keep obeying, keep trusting, keep the faith. Look at verse 48. And about the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them. Jesus went out to them. The fourth watch of the night would have been between like 3 and 6 a.m. The disciples have been fighting the water and the waves and the wind for about nine hours. You see, this is where it gets difficult. This is where we say our muscles are aching. It just looks like we can't go on. We're ready to give up. This is where you have to keep obeying. You have to keep trusting you have to keep the faith. And you say to God, I need your help. And we're going to see here during these last few hours how our strength is really brought forth. You see, when you're lifting that weight and it's your last rep and you go, oh, I can't lift that sucker one more time. If you just do it, man, that gives you that extra strength. It's that time when Satan really tempts us to throw the towel in. Let me show you God's character in four ways that he's going to show to the disciples here. Number one. God knows. Verse 48, you remember, said this. Jesus saw his disciples straining at the oars. This morning, God is in control of every circumstance in your life. There is nothing happening in your life this morning that's a surprise to God. You say, well, I'm going to just come to church and I'll stick my little test right in there and he doesn't know who I am. Oh, no. He knows who you are. We may not, but he does. He knows the test that you've just finished, the one that you're going through. He knows exactly where you are. There's no surprises to God. He's sovereign. And the difficulty comes when we understand that. It's, see, God knows how to test my faith. Romans says, all things work together for good. Notice it doesn't say all things are good, because they're not. But they work together for good to those who are following his purpose. You see, God knows... How to test us. Now, there's only one exception to this. If you're here this morning and you're living in outright sin and rebellion, 
Don't blame God for the adverse circumstances in your life. You're the cause of that. The scripture says that the wicked people suffer because of their sin. They suffer. And so if you're going through a storm today, but you're living in sin, don't go out and rebuke the enemy. Confess your sin and get back to God. Because what you're doing is God is allowing, even though this is his love, he's allowing these circumstances to come into your life to make it so miserable, you're finally going to say, I'm not doing right. I better get back to God. So in this case, though, there is no sin from the disciples. They're obeying God, but they're out here in the middle of a storm, and they wonder why this is happening. It's because God is testing them. He's trying to teach them. He's trying to prepare them. He's trying to make them men and women of faith. And here's the outgo. Christians, he wanted Christians who are confident and calm and able to cope with all of life. So as you're, and you and I are working through the storms of life, and they come in different ways, and different adversity, and different times, and see, you this morning might be out there, and you might be going, hey, this Christian walk has been pretty good. I haven't seen any storms yet. I've been a Christian 20 years, and nothing adverse has come in my life. You don't have an oar in your hand. You're floating. You see, if nothing adverse has come in your life, then Satan's already got you. You're no use in the kingdom of God. You're going with the flow. And that's what the problem with most of the church is. They're not on fire for Jesus Christ. You realize how close we are to the end of this world? Huh? What are you talking about? Do you mean this world's going to end? Yes, it is, my friend. And everybody that doesn't know Jesus Christ is going to spend hell and eternity. You say, well, why do you get excited about that? Because we're responsible for you to know that. And then you're responsible to take that message out. And that's not what you go and sit at McDonald's and say, you know, the world's coming in, you're going to hell. That's not what we're talking about. You've got to talk about God's love, but you have to have some zip with you. See, Satan comes against those people who are doing God's will because he wants to derail them. If everything's been going good in your life ever since you've been a Christian, you've been a Christian 20 years, my friend, you're not dedicated to Jesus Christ. Now you say, you mean there's going to be trials and things? Well, sure. First Peter says, don't count this fiery trial that comes in your life as strange. It's normal. Expect it. Well, I didn't know that was going to happen when I signed on for Christianity. <laughs> well, you do now. So what happens is when I'm rolling and I'm struggling and I'm having a difficult time in my life, I have to remain calm and confident that God is in control. He's sovereign. When my last breath is over, I'm out of here. Until then, I'm in his control. You see, it may be that my only reason for this is to witness to him. I went and shared the gospel. Why not? Now, what are you worried about this morning? God's in control of everything. So, even though it's tough, hey, relax. He's there. He knows. The scripture says he knows. Second of all, he cares. I don't mind people that know, but if they don't care, I don't want them to know. I mean, what good is it if God knows, but he doesn't care? God cares. Nine hours rowing. Satan says, God doesn't care. I mean, if he knows and he hasn't come, really a mean God to let you suffer. What kind of a God is that? He's a God who cares enough to test us. Did you get it? So he knows how to test us. He knows where you're at this morning. Not only does God know, not only does God care, but God comes. Help is on the way. Look at verse 48. And he saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them. In the darkest part of the night, 
in the deepest part of the lake, when the disciples were most tired, when they're ready to give up, Jesus proves his love by coming to them. He knows the exact time to come. He knows when our faith has been tested to the max in this trial, and we've gained what we need out of it, the stamina we need to stand. He knew when to come. Now, God's timing is always perfect. He is never, ever late, but he is also never early. How many think the disciples would have said, 7 o'clock, is he here yet? 7.30, is he here yet? I know he's coming. He waits to between 3 and 6. Why? I don't know why, but his timing's perfect. He wasn't late. The disciples thought he was late, but he wasn't. He was always on time. Notice how he comes. He comes walking on the water. And the scripture says he's about to pass them by. Let's follow it. They're rowing like crazy. They can't hardly make it. Here comes Jesus. And he's walking on the water, man. Hey, what's your problem, boys? No problem. And he's about to pass them by. What does that mean? What kind of a God would come? See these guys training and go, <laughs> see. I'll catch you on the other side, guys. What kind of a God was that? That couldn't be a God that cared. So this, this little passage of scriptures caused tremendous conflict and really trouble with lots of commentators. Let me just give you an example of a couple things that maybe could have happened. Why would he pass them by? Well, one of the reasons could be that it was, this is written from the disciples' viewpoint. They're here, and they're going, he's passing us by. He's not even going to stop. I don't think he's going to stop. Maybe he was going to stop, but they think he isn't going to stop. Now, we don't really believe that that could be a good explanation because you'll see in a moment, they don't even recognize who Jesus is. Secondly, there's some people that believe that the reason Jesus was about to pass them by or go out in front of them was that he was waiting for them to go, help, I need your help, get on board. Now, that could be true. Sometimes you and I want to be so spiritual that we are going to just row until it kills us. I don't need God's help. I can do this in my own strength. You can't row in your own strength, by the way. You need God's strength. So sometimes we're too proud to cry out and say, help. If that's where you are this morning, if you've been too proud to cry out for God's help, just call for him. He'll stop. But I believe the real reason is this. I believe, turn your Bibles, keep your finger right there, turn back to Job. Job chapter 9. What you're going to see here, I believe, is an epiphany or a theophany. It's a surprise kind of disclosure, a self-disclosure, and follow me, that Jesus Christ is really God in the flesh. What Jesus is trying to say by going by these disciples is, guys, you haven't got it. I'm God. How else could I walk on the water? Watch me. Let's look at this. In Job chapter 9, verse 8 through 11, this is Job's description of God's character, who he's like. Now, the disciples knew this. And just think how similar this is to the passage we just read. Look at verse 8. He alone stretches out the heavens. This is God. And what else does God do? Well, he, he what? He treads on the, and the waves and the water. You see, they knew this was the character of God. And what Jesus is doing is he's treading on the water by him and saying, Hello, hello, I'm God. I'm God in the flesh. 
This is the character of God. Who else could walk on the water? Let's read on. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. When he passes me, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. This is exactly what happened to the disciples as Jesus is going by. So many people feel that Mark is trying to tie these Old Testament theophanies or epiphanies into the remembrance of the disciples. Going back, wow, this is God. Now there's one other comparison really quickly, and I'll just tell you about this one. In Exodus, Moses says to God, I'd like you to reveal your glory to me. Now, God doesn't have a body like we do. So he said, I'd like you to reveal your, your glory to me. And here's what God says. I will, but you can't look at me. It's kind of going to be like an afterburner effect. You're going to see my glory go by. And in Exodus, here's what it says. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And when my glory passes by... I will put you in a cleft in a rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. In other words, I can't see it. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, picture this, and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You see, both of these stories bring back the character of God, who he was and what Jesus was trying to say to his disciples was this. I want you to see my transcendent majesty. I'm actually God. And if you'll grasp the truth that you've been with me, but you haven't got it yet, that I'm God in the flesh, and I'm the God who created the waters, I'm the God who created the winds, then why are you fearful in the boat? Because I'm right outside of you. I'm right near you. The God of the universe is there. Now, there's an interesting thing that Jesus gets in the boat, and we see a very interesting reaction to the disciples. Look at back in Mark 6, verse 49. Look at the reaction. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified, and immediately spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. This, it is I, that Jesus said to them when he gets in the boat, when he says, it is I, is the same wording in the Old Testament as, I am. Do you remember Moses said, well, if you want me to go and help deliver the Israelites from Egypt, who am I going to say I am that sent me? And God said, just tell them, I am sent you. I am is God. And what he's saying there is, I am is here. God can't be seen, but Jesus can. He's saying to his disciples, the great I am is with you. Verse 51. This brings us to the fourth character of God. God also delivers. Then he climbed in the boat with them, and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. You see, their hearts were hardened. About the loaves? How did this get back here? Well, what Mark is trying to tell us is this. When Jesus performed the miracle of the five loaves and the two fishes, and all the people were fed, and the disciples just miraculously watched it being multiplied in his hands, the disciples didn't get it. They didn't get that the person that was distributing this 
with God. Their hearts were hardened. You see, it takes faith to believe. Fear always destroys my faith. The disciples' hearts were hardened two ways, and I believe we have the same problem. Number one, that this was indeed Jesus in the flesh. And number two, that God cared for his children. Peter is trying to say to Mark, remember Peter is writing this. Peter is giving this to Mark to write because Mark wasn't there, Peter was there. By the way, you remember there's another passage where Peter tries to walk on the water himself. How do you remember that one from Sunday school? And he goes, blah, 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 but he doesn't make it. Notice Peter doesn't tell his own failure here. Pretty good writer, isn't he? Somebody else has to tell it. But what Peter is saying here is this. Mark, when Jesus was walking on the water, and we looked out and saw that, when he said, I am, and then he got in the boat, and the wind stopped, we didn't get it. We didn't get it that it was actually God in the flesh. And Mark, we didn't get it until after he died. We never got it the whole time he was living. We didn't realize that God was with us and we had nothing to fear. Now we look at the disciples and go, how could you not get it? I mean, if I was sitting in a boat and this guy walks on the water beside me. And the wind stopped instantly when he gets in the boat. How could I not get it? I mean, you think, well, people could do that. No, there's only some things God can do. If you think you can do that, come on, we'll join you at the pond this afternoon. Hope you got some clothes with you. You think you can stop the wind? Walk outside. No, there's only some things God can do. Peter said we didn't get it. I believe we don't get it. If you're a Christian this morning, listen to this. The great I am lives in your heart. You have the almighty God living in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. We don't get it, do we? Oh, God, what are we going to do? This is just too much for me. I can't believe it. God, where are you? Hey, where is he? He's in your heart. The I am is in your heart. We don't get it, do we? You see, the disciples didn't get it. We don't get it. I believe that we miss many times. God's presence is right there in our lives. He wants us to say, hey, I'm here. I'm here. It's okay. But we go, this circumstance is too impossible for you. Look at the marriage. Look at the finance. Look at the problem with this person. Look at the hurt I got. It's too big for you, God. God wants to say, well, wait a minute. Would you like me just to step in the middle of the problem now? The I am is here. There's nothing too difficult. Why are you fretful? Let's look at the outcome, verse 53. When they had crossed over, they landed Gennesaret and anchored there. And as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on Matsy, wherever he was, wherever they heard he was. And he went to the villages, towns and countryside, and they placed the sick in the marketplaces. And they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And here's God again. And all who touched him were healed. You see, there's only some things God can do. All who touched him were healed. The scriptures are clear. Those of us who are saved by the blood of Jesus, we have no need to fear. He is our strength. He is our provider. He is our protector. He is our Messiah. Because of what he has done, we were saved. Now we can be empowered to do what's right. We can trust that God will equip us for his ministry. 
We don't need to fear about what tomorrow will bring. All we need to do is submit to Him. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll learn that it doesn't matter what you do to your exterior. It's what's on the inside that counts. You see, there are people who believe that they can clean up their own act and then come to Jesus. They might change the way they speak or change the way they dress. Maybe they'll learn some Christianese. But none of that matters unless your heart has been changed by the grace of God. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.